0: recording. Kocha, you want to do the intro? Welcome Melbourne. Good morning. This is Dan Koch-Couche and Benjamin Makadaka, Makadaka Tracker, on the mic. Uh, it's welcoming, a beautiful morning today.
1: Welcoming you from this frosty morning in
0: the town of Carnegie, Australia. We're coming to you live. And just on that like it, it, it is a really frosty morning yesterday was almost identical and did not turn out to be one of the best winter days of melbourne this winter yes you
1: it, never know it. it could come good so today's a frosty day and kotcha's is hoping for it to come sunny because it's actually kotcha's birthday today costa b day happy That's birthday kotcha
0: thanks guys thank from you from all
1: much, over Benjamin. melbourne everyone's wishing you a happy birthday so, Katja, how are you feeling on your birthday so far? Yeah, look, I woke up, felt good. Um, wait, wait, wait. We put together some impressive dance moves
0: before. Yep, that yep. no, was important to... that. I, I, I believe, you know, if, if you're in a good mood, it's important to spread that. And the easiest thing you can do is make someone laugh, so... Is dance. Yeah, did a bit of a dance, dance. this morning when Benjamin came and picked me up. Very
1: good. So... We had you had this idea to do a bit of a no talking about specific topics and only
0: talking about some topics and to record it. Tell us a little bit about that inspiration. Yeah. Where right. it came from. I thought um yeah, you know, obviously during lockdown it's it can be challenging sometimes. You're going through the motions the same thing every day. I found that I found that most of the discussions between my friends and and you know, just generally with everyone was either centered around coronavirus, the politics around it, um, social, like flow on social issues that, that um, arise either because of coronavirus and what's happening or just because we're all at home for six weeks and you know we want to be involved in social issues. So I pretty much, for me, I just got a bit overwhelmed. I think I've had enough of that. So I kind of just tried to steer away from that, um, at least trying to, you know. And what about the idea to record it and all that? Oh, uh, yeah. So, well, I don't know. I, j- I just thought it would be fun to to record and kind of just tap into our artistic selves. And, you know, I've been inspired. Benno, you've been taking a lot of photos lately and, you know, spending a lot of money on that <laughs> hobby. <laughs> um, and, you know, I I just love holding on to my money, money, money. So, so, <laughs> so I thought this is a cheap way of artistic expression. And I don't know. I just thought it's a good time now during this period to try new things. Um Yeah. So I had a bit of a theory a while back when I
1: gave you a very good compliment saying how good you were conversationally and all that. But then I was also telling you last night how I'm very hesitant to give you too many compliments. (laughs) Otherwise, you might turn into Vladimir Putin and take over the world. So, are you sure that you weren't just... Beaming with confidence that your banter has been so sc- career high these days that you wanted to go pro
0: and talk just all day long. Look, I, I normally don't like the sound of my voice when I listen to it. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Look, it's always fun to talk. I, I love talking. Um, as long as you don't have to hear it played back. <laughs> as long as I don't have to hear it played back. Um, I, no, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of talking, obviously. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. I th- thought, it was, thought it was a good idea. Don't, don't think it's because my confidence is too high, but yeah, I don't know, we'll see how we go. So,
1: can you, on the spot, think of any <laughs> specific moments in life where you're talking has
0: helped you out? Oh, I think the key one, this is very much something that just you and I, uh, maybe a few others would would know was the, um, the infamous moment on, on year 10 Wilson's prom camp. <laughs> um, th- there has been moments where I find that, you know, l- like let's say there's a bit of like a danger of, um, you know, one person being in a shitty mood or something, there's, you know, someone giving you a bit of aggression. Um, I just find that talking, if you just keep talking and keep talking and keep talking... <laughs> Sometimes you can just turn that around. <laughs> you know, and I feel like, feel like that's what happened. Like, um, we got, I guess, a short summary. We got called out by, we, we were in year 10. We were kind of being leaders on this year six camp at school. And um, it was just one of those moments where one of the teachers, you know, we, we were being a bit boisterous, a bit naughty. And I think it was one of those moments when the teacher just just kind of had enough of us and kind of called us out for something. You know, and I just went on this rant, and, and the other boys were, were around me, and and we just it just kept going, and you know, just I just kept taking stabs at, at a joke, kept making you know kept making funny jokes, and eventually everyone was just kind of on the floor laughing, and even the teacher. <laughs> you know, it was one of those moments where we could have gotten in a little bit of trouble, but just by just by motor mouth. And just keep going it just kind of turned into a bit of a funny moment for everyone
1: so you basically just like stuck <coughs> out at it and it was about to fall off a cliff but then you basically ended up flying
0: yeah yeah and i think i think that's happened look it's definitely gone the other way as well i think sometimes you know you can kind of get yourself into a, into a bit of a hole you've got to know your audience and you know sometimes people aren't receptive to that but this was i guess one of those lucky moments where
1: Maybe that was a bit of a turning point in our love relationship where I fell in love with you for all your funniness. (laughs) Was there any other turning points in your youngerness where you uh, were good banter or anything in particular felt
0: like it had changed for you? I think... um... I think there's a very, very critical turning point in our relationship, Benjamin, in our friendship. <laughs> um, and it wasn't that moment. It was, I think, it a couple of years before me. then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up, you know, we would always kind of... We, we were like, it was this weird relationship. We were like really good friends. We would hang out on the weekend. But, but we also just I'm hated each up. other. <laughs> we also just absolutely hated each other. And we would... And, and, you know, you would scruffle and you would kind of try and beat me up. And then and then I think one time Did you one get time, kickboxing classes? Yeah, <laughs> my, dad started, my dad was taking me to kickboxing classes I think it was independent of, of you being a bully but <laughs> Oh, I felt special for a minute um, <laughs> okay, okay. no, But it, it was a good time and then, and then I think I just like, like, like one, one day just like just pushed you against one of the lockers and had a bit of a scruffle and then yeah, we became friends It was good
1: yeah, well, you only have to stick up for yourself once and usually does the trick Yeah, for any little kids out there.
0: You know, Bialik was a bit of a prison, right? <laughs> you just, you know, the same laws apply in a prison as they do at Bialik College. Yeah, you no, just but gotta... I
1: actually really think that. Like, when people are bullied, you only really need to stick up for yourself properly once. Yeah. And then yeah. the bullies don't want to pick on people that are unpredictable
0: and that Correct. will fight back correct i I think there's so there's so much to that it's not it's not a great thing to have to teach your kids or to you know have to like um kind of pass on that knowledge of like you know what violence is not the answer but sometimes you know sometimes it's kind of like if you do that if you just take one more hit
1: you don't have to take 10 hits over a longer period of time exactly
0: and and i think also the interesting thing is that that like you know you're not actually you're not you're not you're not addressing the problem. You're deferring it. If you're telling your kid who's getting bullied, hey, just stand up for yourself once, then you're let's just deferring... Sh- let go that way? Yeah. To avoid the knife. Yeah, let's go that way. You know, I think what you're doing is just... You're just deferring... You're deferring the problem onto some other kid. Yeah. You know, the bully is now... He's not going to stop bullying kids. He's going to yeah. just move on to someone else because... So you're no longer a good
1: let's let's assume that you had a kid. What what other uh, would you pass that message on to them? And is there any other key lessons learnt
0: from your childhood that you would like to uh, pass on? Um, I think it's I think it's funny. Like I think that <clears throat> the whole thing about bullying. I mean, even though it's just deferring the problem, I would still teach my kid that because I would just be like, you know, I don't want him or her to get bullied. Like it's not really my responsibility to, you know, take care of the other kids, and I guess, you know, yeah, I guess I just want would want them to just kind of have that not be their problem anymore. Um, and the other kids, I think <clears throat> it's just really important for for like a you know a kid to grow up with a lot of humor in yeah. their life. I think that's really important because humor is a good one for. Our For uh, disarming bullies too? Yeah, I I think it is. I think it is. And just generally, I think it's just a good, like, you know, not necessarily trying to make someone funny, but I guess just, just, you know, allowing that gift to a kid to just always be around humour, I think is pretty important.
1: Yeah. Um, So now we're going to do a slight sidestep and we're going to ask for our viewers out there before they turn it off. This question is from none other than Darren Zuckerman. Yes. And if you had to create a dating profile, what would your one liner be?
0: Oh, this is really hard because I'm putting me on the spot. Um, I don't know. I guess. I guess if you know, like, I, I'd probably be something stupid to be honest, like something really <laughs> ridiculous. Um, just because I don't know. I guess I would want to put something out there that would attract someone who would respond to that and, and be like, okay, this is funny. This is funny. It's ridiculous. It's out of this world. But it's, you know... And, and I wouldn't be too worried about not kind of casting a wide enough net and turning some people away because I guess, I guess those people probably wouldn't gel with me that well. Very um, good. Yeah.
1: Very good. So, if you were to unpack and teach... A younger couche or somebody else. How to be a great conversationalist? If you were teaching someone or a younger cousin or something like that. If you were to unpack it in a quick way, what would you put in there?
0: Um. <coughs> it's, oh, it's really difficult. Um. I I think that I think that in in conversation like. It's really important to listen uh, at the oh yeah we'll, we'll go we'll go this way, we'll get a coffee um i think in conversation it's actually to it be a good conversationalist it's really important to just to listen at least at the start to kind of understand not just the person you're speaking to but you know you kind of want to make an assessment of well what's going to make them laugh or how how are you going to you know get them to to open up what you get them to speak about um things that you know would make for good conversation so like the whole point of conversation i guess it's not a monologue you know it's easy for it's easy for one person to just talk on and on and on but i guess for that to become a conversation i think at the start of it it's good when both people kind of listen and take in each other's vibe um, just to kind of just to kind of you know build out uh, a a pathway that that you know is going to lead for a good conversation um, I think it's also, you know, I guess a good example is like with, with politics, two people with different political views if two people get together with different political views and they're like staunchly different not, not the kind of different that makes a good conversation but they're staunchly different views um, I think if, two, if both of those people kind of listened and took each other's vibe in <laughs> and took each other's vibe in at the start Then, then I reckon you know they would know that certain things are off limits and are not gonna make for good conversation. So, yeah.
1: So, you thinking that uh, abstaining from talking about politics
0: is gonna be better or worse for your conversational abilities? I think it'll be. I think it'll be really interesting because, like, I, I don't know if it's gonna be better or worse, but I guess you know in the next six weeks or so. I'm going to learn if there is a possibility to have, you know, really meaningful conversations with people outside of those topics. And, you know, I'm also going to learn, I guess, a few skills to to veer away from those topics when I can feel that it's kind of going down that path. Um, Yeah. And I, yeah, I guess just, you know, explore other things. It's like sometimes when I say, okay, I don't want to talk about politics or social issues. Sometimes I think, well fuck, what else, what else is there? But <laughs> well, like even the last week or so, like I think there's a lot out there you can talk about. And I think down the line, my goal isn't to never have those discussions again. It's just to um, lean on them less. I think the last six weeks or so, um, it's, just been, it's just been overwhelming. Like it's been the core of conversation with my family, my friends, my partner, you know like even just work colleagues uh everyone's reading the news everyone's at home everyone's got more time so anyway so you're keeping keeping uh
1: trying to avoid those chats to have a balanced and enjoyable lockdown time yeah correct okay um so what about your family and your and your partner um Can you tell us more about, um, so you, you're, I I actually want to know this. You're bilingual, so you learn both the
0: languages at the same time. Is that right? Well, I I didn't, I didn't actually learn them both at the same time. I learned Russian first, because when, when I was born, um, my mum had obviously moved maybe to Australia, maybe a year or two, or maybe two or three years before that. Um, so she was kind of getting the English language. She was working and studying, but, but then a year after I was born, my my grandparents, so my mum's parents, um, moved over to, from Russia. Um, I guess kind of escaped. It was a weird time, but anyway, they they moved over so that they could help kind of raise me because you know that, that my mum was working and studying at, at the time. Um, so I pretty much yeah, like I grew up. I didn't go to um. So I did go to. I didn't go to like childcare, so I just, you know, it was kind of like raised spent a lot of time with my grandparents, really? and they didn't speak any English, so so my first language was Russian. Um, so, so you thought in Russian and, and all yeah. that
1: before you thought in English. Yeah. And, yeah. And now, do you ever uh, think in Russian when you're
0: like sleeping? or? Sometimes I do. Yeah. Like I, I um, I feel like I feel like because you know you wake up from a dream, but some, I've definitely had Russian dreams, like a hundred percent. Yeah, we, um, yeah, we'll put her on a pause yeah. Have a coffee. Uh, the just Alright. So, we're back. We just uh, Benno and I just got a coffee, which he paid for because it's my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> After Benno bought me my coffee, I transferred him his $15 that he won from Poker yesterday. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, me and Kocha are very comfortable with each other, and sometimes it teeters on it too far. So, we let make lots of stupid jokes. Yeah. Sometimes it's about money and stuff. But, uh, yeah. You Wait. do seem quite comfortable these days in general. Yeah, I
0: think, you know, there's nothing to be uncomfortable about, I guess. Uh, but, I think, I'm not sure if we finished that last question though, from before. Yeah, we'll go back there. to what okay. we were talking about before. Yeah, so I
1: think so. Kotjo is telling us about his Russian-speaking <clears throat> upbringing.
0: Yeah, so I mean, essentially, just my like because I, I my grandparents didn't speak any English, and because you know, I guess the first three or four years of my of my life, I was around them, and so, so yeah, like it was all Russian, and then, and then day one, I went to to Sholem in Kinder, which is like a, a Jewish school in Melbourne. And um, I just didn't speak a word of English. <laughs> it was like four or five and, you know, everyone else spoke, like, everyone else spoke English and I was just there, like, this, like, four-year-old kid.
1: From Australia that didn't from, speak English. From
0: Australia, born here, never been anywhere else. They just didn't speak any English. And, but I remember, you know, obviously, as a kid, you pick it up very quickly. Um, I also had my cousin um, who was uh, in, like, the, the kinder the year above. <laughs> so she, she would kind of Yeah, so she would kind of help me out, um, which is nice. So do you have vivid memories of back then?: Yeah, I have a few, like not being able to speak and shit.: Yeah, I have a few memories, but one of them is just being like, you know just like like people would like come up to me and talk to me, and I would just be completely blank. I had no <laughs> idea what, what, they, what they wanted from me and the teachers. I remember I think I remember the teachers being quite frustrated. They're like they were like these parents have a fucking, have, a, have some real nerves <laughs> sending this, like, <laughs> sending this kid just, like, offloading him with us, <laughs> not giving us a common language, you know, we can't give him directions, we can't tell him to go to sleep or to, to put his toys away or this and this, um, and <laughs> my parents essentially gave them the responsibility of teaching me basic English, which is something that, you know, normally for the teachers... The, when they get the kids at age four or five like the kid speaks fluent English like they might be a shithead but they speak English at least so right. that was pretty funny so
1: and it didn't really put you behind at all because you were obviously that young that you could learn it pretty quick or? yeah
0: no, I was in like we also you, were really you the
1: dweeb in the corner when you, that couldn't speak
0: language I think day one I was but but, you know, turned it around. <laughs> you, you, but you've been climbing the social ladder for about 28 years yeah, now. I was, I, was climbing, I was climbing the, the kindergarten social ladder. Um, you've been
1: practicing your banter for 28 years, and now yeah. you have you're Vladimir Putin?
0: Now, now I've worked it out. <laughs> I've worked out the formula.
1: So, that double language thing, Yeah, has that ever
0: uh, been a big thing, or...? Um, I think, well, like obviously, like Russian doesn't really matter in can, Australia. Can Milena speak Russian? She can't speak it, but we you know, often, when we're like family dinners, she she knows it. She she I think she fully understands everything we say. Right. You know, like, like she understands um, a lot, and she'll piece the rest of it together. And she's kind of you know whenever we're speaking in uh, my family dinners and stuff in Russian, like she will just chime in with an English like, an English response that's relevant, you know, and so, we're all, we're all pretty convinced that she's gotten it 100%, like, Russian and Polish has a lot of commonalities, right, and, um, yeah, but what was your question before that, though? Um, Russian, I don't know, yeah, anyway, so, yeah, I think she's she's picked it up, um,
1: so, what else, can you tell us about your, uh, Childhood that I wouldn't already know. Do you know anything? Childhood.
0: Um, I don't know. I think I was. It's pretty. It's pretty good childhood. Like, um, so we um, were you in Bialik the whole way through? From, and Zuki will disagree with this, but I was in yeah, Bialik from, um, from yeah, from prep. Right. Prep. So um, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a good childhood. I was an only child for a while. Like, um first eight years, which was good, um, and then, obviously, I had, like, um, I very much had, like, two dads, like, Roman came into my life pretty young, and he was, like, he's an exceptional father, um, and, yeah, had, like, a very, very fun childhood, my sister was, sister came when I was, like, eight, and, like, you know, I wasn't too happy, (laughs) Because you, I think you just know with my personality, Steal like having to share kind of stuff or having to, like, yeah, someone kind of walking on my turf. But now we, after a while, we kind of, we have, like, you know, built a good relationship. We're very close
1: now. After a while, she came to understand her part into playing <laughs> your taking over the world.
0: Well, I think actually she's kind of, she definitely, um, yeah, she's taken over. Like, she's, I'm okay with it, but she's definitely the, um, you know, she's got the attention. like the more dominant. Um, really? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Well, it's dominant she, in that like.
1: Maybe she got that from you.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I and mean, maybe because you know I wasn't happy having to you know have someone share the spotlight with. Maybe she kind of worked out. All right, I've got to have to fight for <laughs> fight for attention and stuff. And but no, I mean when I say dominant, I don't mean that like she screams over or anything. It's just you know she's a very impressive human being and. um yeah, just yeah. That's it, really. All right. So,
1: is your mum like a mum boss or some shit that you, she gave it to your daughter and a little bit of yourself because you're, you're you're a little bit of a to fusion? Am I a man boss?
0: <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. I think she's. just also very impressive. Like, obviously, kind of moved moved to Australia when she was like younger than me. Now I think she was like twenty or something um, she was 22 yeah I think and and you know she was just like like she just couldn't stand Russia like anymore so I mean her, her dad my grandpa was was a, like a kind of a senior figure in his area's communist party so he was he is very like communist and very you know loved what Russia was and the Soviet Union was um, <coughs> And, you know, he had a lot of, like, sway. Obviously, there was no wealth back in that time in in Soviet Russia because there was all it was all the government's wealth. But wealth came from power and came from, um, you know, favours, I guess. If you were in a... Yeah, all right. You can throw that out. If you were in, like, a prominent position in the Communist Party, then, you know, you could give someone a, a favour <coughs> using your power. So he was in charge of, like, this big truck factory and this truck factory you know there's are effectively a logistics company but there was no company they're all government owned <clears throat> but um, you know he was in charge of that there was something like you know like a thousand employees like hundreds hundreds of trucks and so it all kind of That's happened a pretty through, big, big yeah it was it was big, big we job. went we went back there when I was in Russia um, during the World Cup and it was really interesting like it was in my my mum's hometown called rostov it's probably like the fourth or fifth biggest city in russia and um we went to this like truck factory it's still now it's a private company um you know and like obviously the guy who who owns it is very wealthy um but like it, it's like this old building and throughout the building they still have like photos with of my grand- when well, my grandpa was a director because the people oh, yeah. really liked him there was um you know like he he did a lot for like his workers, he like put in a, put in a dental clinic, put in a dental clinic in the thing, so that that you know, you need dental stuff, you just go and it was, the company would take care of it, and so that was really, they, nice. they were still talking about that, I guess. The
1: I mean, that's pretty unique, I guess. Like to be like a boss of a big business, but it not be a profit yeah. making thing would be exactly. a little bit different. Like, how would people today run their businesses if they didn't have to run it for profit? Yeah, it's but.
0: They just ran it how they thought they should run it. Yeah, <laughs> and like, that might mean putting in dentists. Correct. Like, I mean, I, I think I think th- there's many ways you could run something like that, and not everyone did it like this. But, but there were some, you know, there was some really good values that when my grandpa was telling me during that Soviet period, um, obviously at the start of the Soviet Union, like <clears throat> during the Stalin era, like everyone was just poor because the country had just changed its economic structure. Um, completely, and, you know, country wasn't wealthy beforehand, it had Tsars that were wealthy, but weren't wealthy afterwards, um, they changed everything, they had a lot of, like, obviously there was tyranny, they were, you know, they were killing all the intellectuals because, that, you know, the intellectuals would speak out, you know, for freedom and whatever, so once you kill all the intellectuals, your economy is going to struggle, because these are the heavy lifters in the... You know, in Making in everyone intelligent Yeah, even like in in making your, everyone intelligent Improving your human capital Yeah, like building industries, technology, yeah. all that You know, if you, if you kill everyone that, like, the, the country really struggled for a while after that um, But in like the 70s and 80s There's actually a bit of a golden era for the Soviet Union Like in terms of Like you ever you speak to any Russian from that older generation And they say, I would go back to that in a heartbeat Compared to what's there today, um, There. in Russia though. In Russia, yeah, yeah, they'd say because it was a good period. Yeah, yeah, and that would say, look, you know, maybe as in, obviously there wasn't the Stalin era anymore. So was that when your mum was there? Or? That that was yeah. So my mum, my mum was, was born actually during there for an period. okay
1: period. Yeah. Oh, she was born during that period. Yeah, yeah. She was. She, so she was wasn't born really that period. like able to do anything.
0: Well, yeah. So so she was born, but she, you know, but she wasn't conduct. Like, she for some reason always. Hated Russia in in the like the lack of freedom, you know, and she was roaring to get out. And it was actually an interesting story how she got out of Russia because you couldn't just leave willy nilly. Like you had to, you know, you, you really had to pull strings. There was yeah, right. a law I think that was passed. that was um, made by America that um, <clears throat> kind of America put pressure onto Russia to allow Jews out of Russia from the night oh, from the seventies. The old Jew card. The old Jew card. Um, so I think that was either brokered through Israel or America. But basically, from the seventies, you could, as a so Jew, she had to live. like really work out how to leave. Mm. It was like the whole thing, yeah. And and what made it a lot what made it a lot worse was that my her dad was a huge, you know, he loved Soviet Union. He was a huge uh, like player in the Communist Party. And so, if your daughter leaves the country. You're an enemy of the state. Right, effectively, it makes him look bad. yeah. So what so that she was did, a family dynamic, yeah. Exactly. It was huge. No, no, it was good. Yeah. It was... Um, so what she did is she, and my auntie. Already... And here's the break. <laughs> no, no, <I'm> <laughs> my auntie already lived in Australia, um, and you know, but that's fine. Actually, they'd, they'd moved maybe five years before. Anyway, my my so my my mum was studying. She was actually in med school, and she was studying. Um, and she goes, Alright, I'm gonna go to Australia to visit my auntie. Uh, but my mum's just telling me this story later. She goes, like I always knew I was <coughs> I was gonna leave. So she came. She came to it, so she so so my dad my grandpa organized all of the things with this communist party to let her Wait, go. So she got to go on a trip. She got trip? to go on a trip, yeah. Right. I mean this was in the late eighties. So, so this was like things were starting to open up a little bit, but still this was, and it like, would not that your dad, that your grandpa was like a big shot or whatever. Well, yeah, so he had to organize with the university to let her out. He had to organize with, obviously, the, the government uh, to let her go. Because it wasn't, it weren't just like free flights coming in and out of the Soviet Union and everyone could just do what they want. It was a really big um, operation. So, anyway, he organized for her to leave as a trip because he genuinely believed that she was just going for a, a holiday to visit her auntie. Um, we'll get off the main road, we'll go this way. Um, anyway, so he organised that, and then, and then she came to Australia, and then she called, uh, you know, she was here for a... Like and she never left, kind of. She, she never left, yeah. I I, 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 I can't remember, maybe she went back and then, you know, said, come back again, and she, she went to Australia, was like, okay, I'm definitely moving here, came back, and then, <clears throat> then did that same thing again, the next holidays, and... And she just stayed, and like my grandpa was disgraced. Really? He was disgraced. Yeah, he's he's in as in she didn't come back, and all the all the like the Soviet so pit, all, all bit the of a rebel. she's a rebel. Yeah. she a rebel, which is a huge rebel. Like because as in my grandpa, he was like deemed like an enemy of the state, pretty much, because his daughter had abandoned, had abandoned the Soviet Union, and it was disgraceful. So he so you know effectively, I and mean, my mum knew that this was going to be the better place for everyone to live. But effectively, you know... And then a year later, uh, my grandparents pretty much... My grandparents, I think actually when my mum left um, Russia, uh, my grandparents pretty much had to go. They had to like, not escape, but they were disgraced. There was no life for them anymore in Russia. So they had to move to... So your mum made the big call for everyone. <laughs> yeah, they she had did. to follow suit. Exactly, yeah. So she had to... So, so my grandparents then moved to Germany because my auntie had lived had moved there as well. Um and yeah, and then effectively effectively that was it. Like they um the you know, then my grandparents moved here when I was a year old, so maybe like so two or three years after she moved. So your mum basically had one of those
1: full on old school immigrations, go to a new country without speaking it without
0: any money or any job, right? Yeah, I mean she had my auntie here. Right, um, that helps a little bit. But yeah, like, you know, in, she was never homeless. Like a place to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was never homeless. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And the other, the hard thing is that, you know, she was probably like a year away from finishing her med med degree. Um, she was going to be a doctor. She was going to be a doctor. And then she moved to Australia and like, you know, she wanted to continue it. But then my, sure. auntie, my auntie said to her, oh, it's too hard in Australia, this and this. So she was convinced out of it. Um, but, well, you know, it's almost
1: not fair enough, because she probably would have had to do the whole degree again and spend all this money, which is like, by the time she would be able to be making money, it would be six years down the track, it probably wouldn't it, work it was for very, her It was time. very different back
0: then. I think in yeah. like the, you know, like, like it, it actually, actually, in hindsight, she regrets listening. Well, she doesn't regret it, because she's very happy with her kind of career and whatever. But, um, <clears throat> you know, and she actually thinks that she wouldn't have made a good doctor, because like you know, she, she doesn't love like the gory bits and stuff that she, when she was in uni. But, yeah, right. um, but yeah, like she, you know, she thinks that she got given kind of poor advice in that, like, you know, but the poor advice sometimes could work, I guess. Yeah, yeah, no, it worked out. So yeah, that's the, that's the kind of story.
1: Very interesting story. It, it yeah. is interesting how like circumstances or advice can shape quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But uh, it must have been, like, an interesting time for, like, someone to like, be, like, that driven to, like, go to a country, like, where they don't know anything and all that kind of shit and, like, kind of, like, not fuck over their family,
0: but fuck over their family. Well, absolutely. I mean, she made decisions for other people, really. Like, you know, and... and But but I think she just kind of knew. She was, like, um, you know, she'd... Like, I, I think she's very much the kind of... The, the I guess the thing that I picked from her is that, like... You know, if you, you got to really control your own, you got to be in a situation, you're sorry, you're not always going to be able to control the outcome of a situation, but you can always put yourself in a situation where, you know, you're more in control. Yeah. And, um, in Russia, she knew there was like no control. Well, I think that's one of the,
1: like the main things in life is that like everyone needs like as much, f- like to get their own sense of freedom and that can look like a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the, um... So, in Russia, like, when she, like, obviously, like, she would probably make comments, like, when you speak about her childhood or whatever, about, like, that Russia was, like, a bad place, but, like, what was so bad? What exact, like, what were, like, the examples or whatever that she would give if you were to, like, ask a bit more? Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe yeah, they definitely. got, like, some story about this one time when they
0: weren't allowed to run around and... I think, don't um, ask. okay, so, no, <laughs> like I, I, no, I, I the, the, like, like, there's obviously the political climate, which, like, I, I don't, it's hard to understand, you know, like, she was saying that, like, so is she like, political? no, no, she wasn't really political, which is like a political climate around, like, you know, like, you, what can you say, what can't you say, there's that whole bit, but that bit's not that interesting to me, because I feel like I know what that's like, like, not, from personal experience, but just like those kind of regimes exist today, you've got China, like you just like, like, you gotta watch what you say, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've so got you China, okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that but I think the really interesting bits was, <clears throat> um, when I went back to Russia, uh, well, I've been twice, but when I went in 2018, um, uh, for the world cup, last minute decision, like I was gonna go for a while, but last minute decision, um. My, I, I was gonna go to Moscow, St. Petersburg, because there was games there, and I wanted to go to Rostov to see that, that you know, to see like kind of where where my family grew up, and we have a family friend that still lives there. Her son actually moved to Australia and lives with us in Melbourne um, and studied, finished his uni, is now you know trying to stay in Australia. <coughs> um, basically, my my mum like last minute and, and you know, last minute she was like you know what fuck it I'm gonna come as well and show you Rostov cause like you know you can go there by yourself but you're not gonna get to feel like you know the kind of experience wait last night
1: she was like I'm gonna come to Russia like overseas in the whole yeah. thing
0: no, no 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 not the whole thing I was uh, in just to go, I, I was in Rostov for a week just to go to her old town yeah I was in Rostov for a week she had not been back she had not been back to Russia um, and she said that, like, during the World Cup, they're gonna clean all the streets. It's gonna be amazing. That's you know, it's gonna be the best Russia's ever looked. Yeah, so she's nice. like, I'm gonna go back. <clears throat> and so she came for a week. Um, well, let's probably head back around, but she came for, or oh, maybe keep more. She came for a week <clears throat> and, and know, met yeah. me. Sorry, yeah, okay. anyway, she met me on my trip. Um, and yeah, like. You know, so and then we had like a week so when she was showing me around. Six months uh, and eight month hour, No 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 this this was three years later. This was in twenty eighteen. Oh, this is when the, I went for the yeah, World yeah, Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um anyway, so I'd been to Moscow before but nowhere else in Russia. Anyway, so we went to Rostov and she was showing me around and it was probably the most interesting week of my life. Like because because she was like this is when I could understand the shit that she hated. Um, first of all, she was showing me where she grew up, the school that she went to, like, um, you know, yeah, and was, like the like, apartment that she lived in. Well, it was shit. And like she was telling me this whole story is that like, you know, her family, like because of my grandpa's influence, they had it all in that like, you know, the, 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 no one could get a car. They had a car no one could get a tv they had the first like tv or radio you know and the whole the whole neighborhood yeah and the whole neighborhood would come to their house and just marvel at this tv they were like oh god and this was in like the 80s right and the whole the whole like the whole like town would come and sit and watch this tv and you know and and they had the biggest they had the biggest state sanctioned apartments So the state gave all the political leaders apartments and they said it was a monster. It was the best apartment of all their friends. Anyway, showed me the apartment. It was like a two-bedroom flat because most people lived in commu- like in, in yeah. flats with other families. Yeah, you know, and they had this old thing, and then, and then you know, like the TV was like actually just the the you know something that fell off a track. It was the worst TV in the world yeah. compared to you know what was here. It's funny how like
1: you can have something that's so good compared to everyone else, but still like
0: if you've got perspective not be happy with it and want more in life or whatever but yeah and and, and then and then what she was showing me was like like the things so that that didn't piss her off whatever like she had the best she didn't know relativity so in her mind she had the best of it all but that wasn't what pissed her off what pissed her off and what she had to leave the country was because the the way things worked there it was like a riddle (laughs) like things just didn't make sense Um, (laughs) like so and, and, and it still doesn't in like it's in people's Psyche there How things work Like there's obviously corruption But like But it was just so It's just so blatant And just Like In, I in Rostov I think the best is
1: if you got any specifics
0: Cause Yeah no no I, I do So in Rostov like There is this building Which is gonna be a hotel You know They, they had built it uh, I think like 15 years ago They started building it And they would built Like the first half of it Like four Four levels Just the skeleton of it Yeah Anyway um, like a year after construction started the government you know got some contracts with the company and um, you know gave them a billion dollars to build it let's say uh, a year later it was half it was uh, half built just the skeleton and construction finished anyway uh, you know the, and the things were just there um, it turns out like the, someone had stolen all the money so <laughs> some director had stolen all the money so it just finished and and then uh, five years, it was just like this half skeleton in the middle of the city, um, in the very center. Anyway, five years later, the government tried to do the same thing to finish it off. Um, same, exactly the same story happened, you know. And now the tower's been there for 15 years, <laughs> four, four or five levels in the middle of the city, just the skeleton. And that stuff happens everywhere. Like, it's all a riddle. It's so blatant and obvious, but no one, you know, it's just, it's just people are just like, that's, that's life. <laughs> you know, there, there, there is a very big like, like I'll turn back. There is a very big sense of resignation that, like, you know, people are just like, well, that's the way it is. Right. You know, so people get fucked over in Russia. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I thought that was really interesting. She kept showing me things like that, like just that just didn't make sense. Like, you know, like <laughs> there was a like like on the roads. The, the way, you know, the way the footpath is built. It's just so stupid. There's, like, a ramp. So, so there was, like, a, a thing of stairs, right? Maybe, like, I don't know. Maybe, like, in the middle of this, also in the middle of the, the, the city, in the town, like, square, the, the center, there was um, a thing of stairs, right? And it was, like, five steps and then a flat bit and then another five steps. And they had built a wheelchair access, like, a ramp that was that was uh, on the side of the steps for the first five steps and then you get to the flat bit and then there's no wheelchair <laughs> access to get you up the rest of it. <laughs> right. And shit like that was everywhere. You know, like everything was just done half-assed in that country and like... And unless, it, unless something needs to be presentable to someone, like let's say you've got an international delegation coming, if that's happening, it will be unbelievable. It'll be the, the best quality of work that's ever happened. But for its own citizens, the country would never do anything like to completion. And that was yes. Yeah. <laughs> Bless you. And and if anyone who's listening to this wants to see, wants to just like experience a comedy, go to that city, go to Rostov. Because it's not a it's not a, a city that like there's a lot of people, it's a quite a popular city, but it's not a city that has a lot of international attention like Moscow or St. Petersburg. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> the country the the you know the amount of effort that that the government goes in for its own people is evident in that city. everything is done half half it's, it's a good place to get a bit of
1: an insight mm. into the fucked upness culture that seems a little bit hard to explain yeah, yeah, that's why everyone leaves there because like, I've heard here sometimes like oh like. Russia was messed up or we escaped Russia, but it's like a different escape to, like... Exactly, yeah. The rest of Europe and all that kind of stuff is more yeah. of, like, a
0: twisted communist It was twisted, up. yeah. That, that's exactly right. It was just... It was just twisted, like, you know... I mean, there's obviously a lot of oppression as well, but, um, yeah. So, essentially, she left from being
1: privileged compared to her peers to being a full-blown immigrant
0: basically. Yeah. yeah correct. Uh, but now it's Which, worked out. Yeah. I mean, like that's a privilege in itself, right? To escape a like relatively privileged lifestyle to kind of, you know. And then I don't know how much more walk we've got, but what about your dad? My my real dad? Yeah. My real dad. I mean, he's from he's from a, a town in Ukraine called Lvov. Um, so not Russia, Ukraine, no, yeah, but I think, I think, as a Jew, I don't really understand this, but as Jews, they people Jews who are from Ukraine often just say they're from Russia. So, I don't same, know why, <laughs> yeah, but but if you're Ukrainian, if you're a genuine Ukrainian, you would never say that because there's a lot of animosity between the two countries. I think yeah. Jews just associate closer to Russia because it's just um, easier to explain, <laughs> yeah, it's easier to explain, and I, I think maybe the actually genuine like the ukrainian population hates so I actually jews i don't more. know if i knew that he was ukrainian sorry i don't know if i knew that he was ukrainian <laughs> yeah i mean he's like he's just he's russian jew i guess yeah. he would call himself um you and know speaks russian like he grew up there <laughs> he grew up there yeah um his side of the family has a lot of really good stories from like world war Two and you know how they were fleeing and escaping, and obviously a lot of them didn't get to escape. Because Ukraine was a country that was taken over by Germany and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was fully right. occupied. So, so that was more of a uh... right. Yeah, yeah, no. As in Ukraine was like it was Poland. It neighbours Poland. Um, very easy for the for the as in the Russian, the German army had taken that over quite early on, and also the Ukrainian. There was a a very big Ukrainian. Nationalist yeah, he would have movement. been born after the war. Would no, it? he was born after the war, but. He's like he's you know tells me stories of his like grandparents and his parents and what, what they were doing, but um you know Ukraine also has a very nationalist um movement, and still do that hate the Russian occupation and hated it back then, um, and also were very anti-Semitic, and I'm not sure if they were anti-Semitic just because you know they wanted to cooperate with the Germans, but um you know that like even now, like they really big right-wing um, Nazi. Kind of vibe um, in the Ukraine. However, interestingly, they're one of two countries in the world that have a Jewish prime minister currently. Uh-oh. So that's very bit of in the Ukraine. Yeah, just an interesting kind of twist of of uh, fate.
1: Um, and when did he get here? And did he have to escape? Or what?
0: Uh, story. His story was a little bit different. Um, he he moved he moved from. Uh, I think in the 80s Or even the late 70s So Quite early when they were You know When they started to let the Jews out Like it wasn't It wasn't super impossible It was difficult But it wasn't super impossible For Jews to leave The Soviet Union After the 70s From my mum's side It was much harder Because They were Much more involved In The communist The Soviet way of life So that was a bit of more of an escape. More of a scandalous... It was more scandalous, yeah. But no, he, he left there. He went to America. Um, was in America for a few years. And then moved to Australia. It wasn't... I, actually, yeah, it wasn't as... as um, but lucky. what did he... What, did he move to America on his own? Or did he have family? Um, I'm trying to remember. I think... I think... No, he, his dad... His parents are split. So his dad had moved to America before him. Right. And so he moved so, to America... <laughs> Uh, when he was probably 20, lived, he lived with his dad for a bit, and then and then moved to Australia. And his mum and stepdad, they they moved um, they moved straight to Australia right. from Russia. I can't remember when it was, maybe in the 80s. And that's how he got here. Yeah, yeah, that, That's how he got here.
1: Okay. And then how did he? Um, and then he met your mum here. Yes. Yeah. And they were both Russian-speaking people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think they were they were introduced by my auntie, who, who I introduced earlier from my mum's side. Um, yeah. So she was also a big player
1: in the, uh, in, in me. The, uh, yeah. In the birth of me. history of you.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. She was.
1: So she was probably the real instigator of moving <laughs> to
0: Australia. Well, yeah. Yeah. Technically, she was. Um, you know. So she was older than your mom. Yeah, so she's she's not actually my auntie. She's my grandma's sister. It's your great auntie. Yeah, she's my mum's auntie technically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we have a very small family in Australia, so so she I probably had an even crazier or Um, yeah. I mean, I think she she wasn't close to the Communist Party at all. So for them, it was quite similar. That's it. It's like interesting. Like some of the families are like. Weren't here before the war and stuff.
1: They've, we've all got small families. And some of them are from, like, South Africa. Or were here from before
0: the war. And they got these ginormous families in yeah, Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. It kind of sucks for us. <laughs> it does. I, I think the South Africans, though, they weren't really impacted by the war. Because they no. they moved. I think they moved to, from and Lithuania. And then they're always paranoid about what's happening yeah. in Israel. But they've never been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't talk about yeah. politics. No. Nah. No. Nah. But, yeah, interestingly, like... You know they love the, I guess they, they they love the Holocaust card and like the Holocaust. So we need a strong Israel and whatever. But you know at, out of all the now? the South African... Ah oh, no, we're just talking. About, nah, <laughs> <laughs> Um But yeah, anyway, <laughs> so
1: that's interesting. Well, we almost got the court into a slight political
0: discussion, but we deviated. We deviated, and that's the skill that I that we that you know wanted to develop. <laughs> No, but I reckon it's interesting, because,
1: like, I think that it's, like, probably a lot of our friends, there's, like, a couple things, like, that we probably don't know about their story, or, like, what their parents... Because, like, also, I guess people are shaped by their parents, and then it's, like, we probably all don't know that much about our friends' parents' stories, and it's, like, I don't know, why not? Like, we already know so much about each other, but we spend a lot of time with all of each other,
0: but we don't even necessarily
1: know the full story.
0: Yeah, and and, and I don't think we know... That's a really interesting thing that I think has come out of this. I don't think we know what makes our friends tick. Like, we get our friends and we know how they would behave in particular situations because we've just grown up with them for 20 years. But I don't think we... I think you really need to get to that level of understanding of their family and who they respect and who they don't respect and, you know, kind of who they've learned from to understand what makes them tick. Um, So... I think that's that's been, like, the biggest part of this. That, you know... And I'm looking forward to the... um, To the... The dissection of... What made Benjamin Mikowski the way he is? Oh! Little Benjamin. From Yonkers. (laughs) From Canada. Well... Today is all about you, because
1: it's your birthday. It is my birthday. And it's my... Excuse to learn more (laughs) about you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... Your dad, did he, like, come over here and,
0: like, did he have to learn English? Did he have to, look get a degree or what? Yeah, my dad did, he did learn, uh, he learned English in America. Um, and then, and then he... So he was probably somewhat more established than your mum when they met. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, established in that, like, yeah. Spoke he Spoke the language he, at least. He spoke the language. I think, like like that's it my mum and my dad are very different people like my dad is you know he's very introverted and like he doesn't I wouldn't say he's motivated I guess whether it's commercially or just you know generally with like social interactions he's very different to my mum so in comes I guess opportunity wise he had the opportunity to be a lot more established and you know and a kid and a head because he had More time in a country That allows for that Um, But you know Very different personality Like um, I think that's also A very interesting lesson For me Because um, You know It's about like Opportunity You've got Like two people Have the same opportunity But what they do With it can be Wildly different Um, Yeah And you know One person Has less opportunity And can get a lot more Out of it Obviously luck Has a lot to play In that as well But really Luck I think, I think luck is a lot about if you put yourself in the right situations, your probability of success is higher. Um, you know, it's not a new theory, but yeah, I guess that's my outlook on that.
1: Right. So, uh, so that must have been an interesting thing to
0: navigate having two dads growing up, basically. Yeah, I think I think uh, the way I look at it is, you know, incremental benefit. <laughs> um, like <laughs> double the benefit. Double the benefit. No, but um, I think I had, as I said, like I had a really good, like really good, kind of, family dynamic because obviously Roman came in when I was quite young, and was like a super dad as well. Um, so, you know, I guess for me, you know, in some situations it's difficult, um, but like for me, like. It was just very incremental. Like, um, I wasn't lacking... It wasn't like, you know, some people who have kind of families that break up and whatever, they feel like they're lacking. Well, they are lacking because maybe, you know, the father figure that comes in and spends most of the time with the kid isn't really a, a good father figure or a supportive one, doesn't play that role. Like, I effectively had someone who overplayed that role, if anything, played it really well with being Roman... And then I had my dad as well, who I you know, wouldn't spend most of my week with, but I would see him every couple of weeks or, you know, on the weekends and stuff. So, yeah, it was, I, think, I think that's another situation where I was very lucky um, because, yeah, like that's not navigating through those kind of family dynamics. is very, You know, can be very challenging for a lot of kids who come out of divorce. Um, it but, sounds
1: like it wasn't really a big part of it. I
0: think it was more just like a nice situation. <laughs> yeah, no, like it was just, I mean, like obviously... Like, like it wasn't a struggle or whatever. No, no. My, my parents, my mum and dad don't, like, they really don't um, have a good relationship at all. Like they don't, they probably haven't spoken in 20, 25 years. Um, but, but you know, as I said, like... Doesn't matter. So yeah, good. like I had, you know, you have like the the people that came into my life being my stepdad just solved any problem I guess that could have come out of that situation and that's the end of the, and show. That's the, end of the show Benjamin, thank you very much for interviewing the birthday boy today uh, it's been a great experience so I, thanks for being the star of your own show <laughs> stop it you <laughs> uh, awesome, and signing out on this beautiful frosty morning it's uh, Dan and Benno
1: in the mornings alright, Good. good have a good day everybody